Hello, welcome to Reference Desk, a performing arts and culture podcast. I'm your host, Garth Grimble, and in each episode, I'll explore a piece of dance culture with references, popular, personal, and otherwise. I'll share a companion video link so y'all have a visual reference of what I'm talking about. Let's get into it. We're back for part two of the look into center stage on its 20th anniversary. Today's conversation is with dancer, choreographer, and teacher Natalie Morales. Natalie and I met in grad school and were perennial dance partners and collaborators. Back when we lived in the same city, we saw every available ballet performance together. We discuss ballet culture, the truths and nuances behind some of the stereotypes in the film, and the impact of representation. Hey, Natalie. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going. Good. Uh, so my first question in this tour de center stage <laughs> is, do you remember the first time you saw it and what was that experience? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, I was in high school and I went to the creative and performing arts high school and we got special like VIP preview tickets to go see it. Um, Ooh, VIP. Yeah. So we got all dressed up and me and my dance friends went um, to the movie theater in South Philly, right by where I live now. And we went to see it. And I think like everyone enjoyed it because like you said, it's kind of like a teeny bopper cliche movie, but I felt so deeply about it. (laughs) I believe I cried tears (laughs) (laughs) and went home and told uh, my mom every little thing about it. Nice. What's a favorite moment or line or sequence for you? The moment where Eva's practicing alone um, and the teacher comes in. Juliet Simone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet. And um, she tells her, uh, you know, to like release the upper body and like she's helping her in like a kind of standoffish way was one of my favorite moments. I think probably because at that moment in my life I was struggling real hard with ballet and I had some Mm. super cruel teachers that would have never done that with me yeah Um, and I was like oh I wonder if like teachers actually do that like help students um who aren't like the best like in my world if you were like the best they would give you all the attention and everyone else just kind of felt by the wayside so that was eye-opening plus um, Eva was the first like brown ballerina that I had been exposed to and was like uh, eye-opening for me but also yeah. kind of funny like I was thinking about her as a character I don't know if you want to get into this later but um, like that was really special to me but also she was like this sassy like rule-breaking Latina yeah which- like now as an adult I'm like well that's kind of stereotypical oh yeah I mean every every characters like a stereotype or cliche like totally like, oh, gay friends the, the like gay black boy, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well I guess that's so I think from that from your anecdote and then just getting into the way everyone's portrayed one of the way I wanted to focus this conversation with you is talking about ballet culture the way it's kind of represented and representation 
in general in center stage. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the I, maybe we can start off with just the tropes that really just immediately hit. You have the, I think it's almost required by law that every ballet movie has a montage of ballet shoes being put on and broken. damaged and like and broken like in. Feet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we like have that moment. And of course there's a Maureen has an eating disorder. Can't, also pretty much. That. Yeah. In every single ballet movie. Um, I mean, always like a love triangle. That's pretty much any rom-com though. Um, mm. But more kind of like the competition and the kind of hierarchy and uh, fear of like the teachers and the like principals and everything. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the the trope of the love triangle is really interesting because I feel like that's pretty rampant in the ballet world. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got the director or the teacher or like the lead male and they're kind of just seen as gods. And then, uh, you know, the women kind of flock to that, which, you know, I feel like a lot of the tropes are true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah. Stereotypes exist for a reason. Yeah. Uh, so you, you talked a little bit about seeing a teacher help someone and how, can you talk about what you saw on screen and just the like daily practice of ballet with what your experience of being yeah. a ballet dancer? Um, you know, it's weird. It's like the scenes with like getting the shoes ready and like um, seeing like them stretch their feet in ways that, you know, are like painful. Um, like at that age, we're so like glorified I feel like if a normal person watched that, they'd be like, ew, that's gross and that looks terrible. And inside me, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to try that. I have to do that. Like I have to stick my feet under a table or, you know, like if, if my feet aren't bloody, they're not like, I'm not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. um, and if I'm not like, you know, being yelled at <laughs> or emotionally abused, <laughs> then I'm being neglected. <laughs> um, ooh, dark. <laughs> it's so true when we were getting ready for this I remember I remembered a sort of off topic but two things that like my teachers said to me one was um I had been accepted to um a summer program and apprenticeship with Ballet Hispanico in New York which was like a really big deal and I went to um like after the program I went back to school and my teacher was like you know what did you do this summer? And I was like, oh, I got accepted to this like wonderful program. And she goes, oh, well, your last name probably helped with that. Damn. And she never like wrote it in any of the newsletters that I'd been accepted or accomplished this thing. Um, and then the other thing that stuck with me for a lifetime was when I was really little, I was like maybe 12. Um, eating disorders were rampant and they used to weigh us and read our mm -hmm. weights out loud. And um we were doing that and my teacher says, Oh, Natalie, you, you look really thin today. And I just remember feeling like immense joy and excitement. And then she goes, I think it's just your leotard though. Oh, and how old were you when this moment happened? 12. Oh my God. I was also like, I was by no means like fat. I was really, really tiny. So I was like, yeah, probably underweight if anything uh, at that point. Yeah. And it's like, that is, where all of us get our body dys dysmorphia or dysphoria from yeah, uh, in the dance world moments like you. that. And then you remember like the moment um, 
in center stage where they send Emily home. I know. Oh my God. Care of her body. Oof. I know. I think, yeah, that's a moment too, where amidst the, all the kind of predictable cliche, the, the moment that rings true to me and stuff that I've experienced as well and seen is that there's a really passive aggressive way those issues are addressed like when Emily is pulled aside and told to go talk to the nutritionist who can give her some pointers. Mm. And so, I mean, sometimes it's as blunt as someone commenting on a 12 year old's body that they look skinny, which is years of therapy making. (laughs) But on the other, like the other side of that, like, Oh, um, I'm going to not so subtly tell you that you really need to be doing something about the way your body looks right now. Right. Um, center stage never really addressed those issues in a health. Well, I mean, they do have the mom speech, which is pretty amazing. Emily's mom. Right. I mean, no, they don't, they definitely don't address any, any issue really in depth, but I do (laughs) always love Emily's mom speech. You're all beautiful the way God made you. (laughs) That is a good one. Yeah. Um, and it's the turning point for Maureen to realize her true destiny is not to be a ballerina. That's true. It's so funny. Like when I watched this movie at that age, like I was like, I wanted to shake Maureen and be like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, don't <laughs> do that. like who cares if you don't love it? Like you should do it because you can do these things that I can't do. And I wish, like, I just didn't understand it. And even like when I read that, like Amanda Shaw, um quit dancing to do acting I was like heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> it's <was> so dumb. <laughs> Which is like, if you think about it, you started off your teen years being told all these horrible things and you love dancing so much that when you see someone give it up, you can't understand. I know. Uh, you just totally accept everything crazy about what's been, been said or done or experienced in the, the yeah. ballet world. Don't want to assume, but favorite character... Eva. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> but, but so I think with Eva being your favorite character, we really have to dissect one of the most iconic and maybe most absurd moments in the whole film, the cigarette point chew moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I know. So cool. But then, I mean, I've obviously never been on point, but I've never in all my years dancing and performing ballet I've never seen a ballet dancer wear point shoes a second longer than she had to nor as expensive as they are when they ever walk outside on the streets with them but man that moment when she's just casually coolly leaning and throws that cigarette on the ground and uses her point shoe to stub it out uh so glorious so many like visceral feelings one was like Um, I definitely smoked cigarettes at that time in my life, as most good ballerinas did. So Again, at this age you were... (laughs) I was 15, 16. Uh, One was like, oh my God, you're so beautiful and you're so fucking cool. And then then the other thing was like, I broke out into a sweat thinking like, you just ruined those shoes. And like, maybe it was worth it because it was pretty cool, but probably not. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit more about just being a like Mexican American ballerina or a brown ballerina and like seeing that character and anything it offered you or any 
just your response in general to it, I guess. I mean, you went in a little bit, but. I don't think in honestly until that moment that I ever realized that I, there wasn't representation of people like me in ballet. Mm -hmm. I think going to ballet Hispanico was a really big deal for me. Seeing a lot of Brown ballerinas, Mexican and Hispanic ballerinas, um, that was a big deal. And that was all kind of around the same time. I can't remember which came first, like the movie or that experience. I think the movie came first. Um, and honestly, like, I think I thought that I should have related more to, um, Jody's character in terms of like personality and like my struggle with like ballet. So I think I did identify with her more, but, um, seeing Eva be so like fierce and strong and also kind of rebellious. Um, I could relate to that. And also, I mean, it, it's definitely a stereotype, but that the fact that she was like poor, <laughs> like didn't have the money. Um, I could definitely relate to that. I, my mom used to like cook dinner and clean the house of the director of the ballet, um, like conservatory I went to cause we couldn't afford lessons. Oh, I saw her as like an idol. Mm. Um, like the moment where, you know, she reaches her hand out and you realize it's not Maureen, but it's I know. hand was like, yeah. just like chilling for me and yeah. to see her in the lead role. However, she got the part by doing, you know, doing it the wrong way. Like she didn't get picked for the part. Yeah. Um, but it sort of gave me hope that like, uh, you can be Brown and in a lead role. Um, I'll never forget, we did the Nutcracker and uh, I auditioned for the part of Marie and they told me that I couldn't have it because I was brown, that they needed like a white girl. Yeah. The same thing happened with Alice in Wonderland, which I guess makes sense because you have the small Alice and the big Alice and they have to look alike. Um, But do they? (laughs) I mean. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also thought like, part of what made Eva like inspiring to me besides being like Hispanic was I feel like she was the only character that wasn't like um what's the word like when I think of infantilism like like Mm. acting like little children and men being attracted to that kind of thing like she seemed like the only one that was like a woman yeah, that's so true. When you say that, I, I agree. I was going to say where I thought you were going, but I think it's similar. One, she seems like the most adult of the female cohort of students. Mm-hmm. But two, she's the only one who's not monomaniacal in her interest of ballet. Like she she seems to realize there's a world outside of their yeah. studies and dancing and seems like the only person who might have other interests yeah. <laughs> in the world. Which I think was really eye-opening for me because, uh, I mean, ballet was my everything. (laughs) uh, I was like, oh, you can kind of, like, not be uh, a total bunhead and still, like, have success and find other enjoyments. Yeah. Um, I have to say, knowing you as well as I do, I know that one of your ballet successes is dancing the little swans from swan lake mm-hmm. um and that was my introduction to that mo to the little swans the Patacatra in uh center stage the gala performance mm-hmm. 
Is that when they cry? Is that when she's crying? Yeah, that's when, no, no, it's they cry during oh, kind of Pikmin, like, Trilby, and Juliet. But yeah. before that, they do the the little swans. Um, and I remember seeing that for the first time and being totally blown away, especially at the moment, because they're in unison when the heads change direction oh. all at once. It's so striking how the rhythms are different. There's nothing more satisfying than watching four dancers be totally in sync. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I love that part. And I I love, um, I love their reaction. Like, if you remember their faces, they have, like, their mouths are agape. And mm-hmm. when they're watching Romain and Juliet, they're crying. And, like, that's... I think I literally cried every time I saw ballet live. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll kind of do. <laughs> yeah. It's unlike anything else. And I... Um, this just popped into my head and it's kind of unrelated but when I think of center stage I think of Lincoln Center as its like own character <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and it um like oh man Lincoln Center if I if you only knew how creepy I was I used to go there on the weekends like take the bus up and just like wait for dancers to come outside really <laughs> oh yeah and then I would like take pictures with them most of them were like students but I was like so in awe um, and I actually met one who became, we became friends. His name was Lucian and he was like a, a student at ABT. And I would just like wait outside <laughs> <laughs> for them to walk by. And then I'd be like, oh, hey, are you a dancer? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, me too. Can I take a picture? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but also I, I would go a lot and see shows there. Um, and I felt like center stage had like, I don't know like Lincoln Center had its own like character and then like Broadway Dance Center was like the mm-hmm. Eva character like the rebel like yeah uh, which I thought was interesting and I stalked both of those places heavily after that movie <laughs> <laughs> as you've become an adult and a woman and someone who has interest outside of ballet has your relationship to the movie changed at all or is it a love eternal Oh, I mean, it's a love eternal for sure. Mm -hmm. I watch it. I still watch it frequently. But it's funny how you, like, you can see those tropes and stereotypes now. Um, And, like, it's nostalgic because you, like, I definitely, you know, like, when I first watched this movie, I was a total bunhead. But now, you know, I mostly do modern and I still, ballet will always be my first love, but you know, I teach everything and I do more types of dance. Um, so it was interesting to see it from that perspective of like, you know, I would consider myself more of a modern dancer now, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's nostalgic in the way that like, it brings up those feelings of like excitement and like pain, pain and excitement, like being a ballerina. Yeah. Final question. Why do you think Center Stage is still so popular 20 years later? I mean, I think it hits all the nails on the head. You've got sex, you've got love, you've got queen shoes and beautiful costumes. You have eating disorders. You also have Sasha Radetzky, yum, yum, yum. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Um, It really, like, it's got all of the things. And I've seen a lot of other dance movies, um, and they maybe focus too much on like the teeny bopper stuff where you kind of lose interest in terms of dance. So I feel like 
It's got it all. It's a yeah. life-changing film. Thanks, Natalie. It's been so fun. This is awesome. Thanks, Garth. That concludes this week's episode of Reverence Desk. The theme music is composed by Heather Stockton. You can find more information at Reference Desk Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening. <laughs>